Hi everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the Love and Race podcast. Hey. We are happy that you are sitting in our virtual living room. Yes. Being a part of this conversation. Wipe your feet before you walk in there. Yes. No, don't just wipe your feet. Take the shoes off. Yeah, that's true. We are we are house <laughs> uh we are shoes off type house. <laughs> Anyways, welcome y'all. Today we have a fun, interesting Probably going to pull our heartstrings conversation. Uh, yeah, I, I would. I would bet that we don't cry today. We'll see who cries first. I'll, I'll probably be the one that. Cries I was gonna first. say. I bet five hundred dollars is gonna be my husband. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm the I'm the crier in the marriage. Yes. Yes. I um. Shouts out to Chandler Moore. I the first time I heard his song, he understands. I wept like a little baby, and I think. Uh, at our wedding, I cried, and you were like, "Cool for most of it." No, no, I cried as soon as I saw you crying. Oh, you did? Yeah, I, I was recall. very emotional. I don't recall. I remember crying during my during my vows. I cried during your vows too, babe. You did? Yes. You were so focused on yourself. Maybe. <laughs> I got to relook at the video or something. Yes. Anyways, my husband is the cutest crier he ever did see. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a large black man who cries. Yes, he's just the cutest. He's mush, y'all. Mushy but tough. Don't try me. Okay. Catch Anyways, hands, homie. let me tell y'all what we're talking about Catch these hands, today. homie. Let me tell y'all what we're talking about. Today, we are talking about spiritual homelessness. My God. Yes, my husband brought this idea to me probably months, months ago. ago now i almost y'all like i'll just be honest i wanted to make this our whole second season he did and but. i was like i can't talk about that for a whole season i am not i'm not that well versed yeah yeah <laughs> I'm not, and so I'm sorry I can't do that. And also, I don't know how spiritual homelessness really plays into love and race in regards to a whole season. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Um, I think it does, but it's not. It's not as direct as our other topics. That's for sure. Yeah. So, babe, kick us off. Tell me. Tell us the heart oh. behind why you decided that spiritual homelessness is a topic that you wanted to really talk about on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I've just seen it so much in people. What does I love. it mean first? Okay, so yeah, I think this is a this is a term that I'm um, pioneering or um installing mm -hmm. to use a computer term. Uh I think spiritual homelessness is you know, I feel a few years back people were talking about deconstruction, reconstruction their faith. And um, I'm grateful for a lot of people to go through that journey. And when you come out on the other side, you have Jesus, which is great. Um, well, hopefully you have Jesus. You know, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you sometimes have you yourself, that's and that's, that's true. it. Yeah, that's true. But I hope you land with Jesus. Um, and now after 2020, the political conversations that we've been having, the the failure of the white evangelical church to, um address the killing of black bodies in america um has a whole i wouldn't say um every church but i would say a, a majority um 
would fit into that box. Now you have black congregants, black people who go to church who um, feel grossly uncovered by their leaders. They feel grossly underserved. They feel grossly um, unseen, unwanted, Mm. unloved, unheard. So, um, so now you're seeing, um, black people, black and brown, um, I would just say minorities, maybe that's safer, especially with uh, this increase of Asian hate Mm -hmm. that are now re re recalculating their faith Mm -hmm. and they're trying to reconcile the white evangelical church that they love with their current consciousness around violence and justice, um, their ideas that they believe in um, now around racial reconciliation, around injustice, and they're now having to reconcile how they still engage with their white evangelical church and their white evangelical leaders. Yeah. And that's where we come into this crux of homelessness because we don't, I'll speak for me. I don't hate my home church. I love my home church. I'm grateful for for Bethel Church. Grateful for Bethel Church. Um, My life has changed there. But in the same respect, I don't agree with everything that Bethel Church says. Or does. Or does. So now I'm stuck in between the middle. And I also say this, that Bethel Church are many things because there are many different very true and leaders and expressions at Bethel. And there have been people who we do agree with. Yeah. And there have been people that we don't agree with. And I think that's one of the beauties of Bethel. Yes. Is that there is room for multiple different ideologies, perspectives, even uh, manifestations of who God is and theology and all that. That's one of the beauties, but it's also been a point of difficulty, I'm sure, yeah. you know, for leaders as well. Yeah, so, so, um, where was I? So, yeah, so now it kind of leaves me is stuck where I'm like, do I go back to the black church where I had my own issues with? Um, or I guess I, I technically didn't have my issues because I, I never went to a black church, a, a strategic, uh, traditionally black church, but I'm, I'm imagining my brothers and sisters who went to black churches who are now like, I feel family there, but I feel fed over here. So where do I actually align? And this kind of lays us into this idea of spiritual homelessness where we don't have a home. But we, we, we have a home in Jesus, but we don't have an earthly home where we actually feel like we're a part of a one community. And that's that's where I'm seeing a lot of my brothers and sisters, minorities specifically, who are just hurt, just outright hurt by where we have been as a church for the last, I would say, five to ten years around injustice and our silence around injustice and i say are because i'm i'm a member of the church so what do we do now what do we do in this vacuum what do we do in this in this void is this is this worth uh, I, I was listening to the religious podcast shout out to the religious podcast and uh michael gungor he asked a, a brilliant question is he says the church worth saving 
it's been a, a cause of so much pain, so much um, agony, so much um, sleepless nights, so many tears. Is it worth saving? And that's where we land right now. That's where we are in 2021, mm-hmm. where we're like, what the frick do I do? Yeah. What do I do? You know, John knows that I have been on my own very real journey of um, church, the yeah. idea of church. Yeah. The weird thing about this is before what happened with George Floyd, before all of the stuff that came about in 2020, before the pandemic, I was not I was not going to church. Yeah. And the reason why was because I was tired. Yeah. I am 29 years old and I had given I had been in church since literally I could walk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I literally, you know, I grew up under my grandparents and we were at church at least twice a week until I was 17, you know. And then when I left, I had a conviction that I had to be in church in order to be saved. So I went to church and it was just a part of my life. I didn't really have a problem with that. So even in college, I was in the club turning up Saturday night, but best believe Sunday, 1 PM service. I was there. The 1 PM. Thank God for the 1 PM. (laughs) And then, um, from there, you know, I really became a believer. And I think, you know, that that's a big distinction for me before I was more of, you know, a goer. Yeah. <laughs> Less, you know, a member. Right. I was a member more than an actual believer, follower of Jesus. Then I became a follower of Jesus and church was just like this no brainer. Yeah. You know, it continued to be this no brainer decision. And then I went through um, three years of a beautiful ministry school where church was every day. Yeah. You know, people were every day. Yeah worship was every day yeah. and it was honestly so beautiful and yeah. yet by the end I found myself just tired yeah. um and it was like a chronic tiredness which is super common for most graduates of the ministry school of Bethel um, school of ministry is a lot of them come out tired because you just got fed by by a fire hose for three years and mm-hmm. now you're trying to reevaluate what's normal Right. And it generally, it generally takes about two years for it to kind of settle and you start to figure out what life really looks like. Yeah. And so after I graduated, I had to kind of allow myself. Honestly, I judged myself and had a lot of shame. Yeah. Because and I helped in that shame. Sorry. You did, babe. But, you know, God is still healing. <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, you know, I had my own shame. And then, of course, you know, it was this voice, probably, you know, my grandmother's voice, all the voices that were like. Her husband's voice. Yes. All the voices that are like, how can you be a Christian and not go to church? Like, how can you not want to go to church? And so I had to really um, allow myself and give myself the permission to go through what I was going through because the truth is I didn't even have words for what I was feeling. And even when I went to church, because I did attempt when I went to church, I felt so like in everything in my spirit was like, no, this is not it. Like I could not do it. And so, you know, 
lo and behold, the pandemic hits. Right. And I feel from the Lord that the church as I know it has died. That was what I felt. Wow. That the idea of church and and when, you know, Gungor asked that question, like, is the church worth saving? The version of church that America has adopted, both white church, black church, Asian church, whoever kind of church, I think it's worth letting it die. Mm. That's my humble opinion. And and that's not the word. That's that's just me. And the reason why is because it does not... um, I don't feel like it works. Wow. I don't feel like it's communal. I've found that a lot of church is come sing songs. I don't know the person next to me. Yeah. We never break bread together. We come, we leave and we go, you, you know. You might not even speak to them. We may not even speak and then you might act funny. Like it's just so much going on. Yeah. And it's like why why save? Why are we fighting so hard to save something? that is no longer what the heart of it is. And the heart of church Mm. is community. Mm. It's fellowship. It's connection. And so for me, I'm allowing myself. And in that way, I feel spiritually homeless because I'm like, where do you go when you realize I don't want to go through the motions anymore? Yeah, I'm tired of going through the motions. Yeah, that's true. I actually want, if I'm going to do church, I want family. Yeah. I want people who we're going to eat together. We're going to ride together. We're going to die together. Like, we're going to do life together. And, you know, just right now, there's not a lot of options for that. I'm not saying that that's not out there because I see some churches doing church very well. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. commend those. I commend those churches and I'm I'm honored to see those churches. But I also would say you know, there's room, there's room to allow Jesus to transform us into a family, mm. you know? And I feel like if we did that, even through this whole race, the thing that's happened with race in America, race in the church, why I would love for, I would love to see it no longer be a stumbling block for us, but actually a point of connection. A point where we're transformed into further family. What do you mean by transformation? Tell tell me more about that. Because here's the thing. John and I always say on the other side of conflict is deeper levels of connection. Yes. For when you have. Married connection. Ew. Yes. Ew. (laughs) Get y'all's friend on today. Anyways, on the other side of. Um, conflict is deep connection and that only happens if you have two people who are willing to embrace the conflict to go through conflict and to actually stay connected through the conflict but what's happening is in with the white evangelical church it feels like both parties are not willing to hold hands and to go through the connection. I mean, go through the conflict Conflict. to get to the connection that's on the other side that's deeper, Yeah, you know? And I have white friends who I have had that experience with. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we've been real blessed to have white brothers and sisters, Latino brothers and sisters, to walk through these situations and, and see the gift of connection on the other side. Absolutely. Yeah, and so... That's just my take on it. I'm like, you know, 
is the church worth saving? I don't think that what we know as church is worth saving. What makes me sad is for most of my life, I thought that the church that I was experiencing was the biblical church. Nah. But this is not what what I have. And let me tell you, some of you who are listening may have experienced the biblical church. Yeah. Connection. Let, let us know where that's at. Yes. Honestly, if you're in Dallas and you know it, let me know. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is like, you know, that's not easy to cultivate, nor is it easy to find. Yeah. But it's it's biblical church, which means it's more than possible. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I it's interesting that me and you both are are stumbling over the idea of church for two different reasons. Hmm. You know, like you're, you're trying to, you're figuring out where community lies, what's, what's valuable, what's not valuable. Um, and I'm looking at it from a, from a doctrinal perspective and a, and a social construct perspective. And, and I feel like that's, I mean, I, I guess probably there's a lot of people who probably see themselves on either side or probably at the same. I think it's, it's just hard because there's nobody um really like i i don't see a national conversation around this and i think this is worthy of a national conversation i think this is worthy of having eyes put on it but i don't i think we are trying to just resurrect what we had before and just slap a you know 2.0 on it and say like hey this is this is a new version i don't know i don't know for my video game uh, players people who love video games out here it feels like the church is like madden the new madden it's like all you do is just update the roster and add one feature it's like oh we do zoom rooms now or oh we do we do uh you don't have to come in on Wednesday night. You could just you could just zoom in and listen to a new uh, to a Sunday uh, to a Wednesday night message or something like that. But it's like we actually need a the way we see it. We need a full remodeling job. New game system. A whole new game system. We need a whole a whole new bag to meet the needs of people where they're at. Because I mean, I I definitely hear you. Community has been lacking, and I mean. I've I built community where I was and um and I still didn't experience it outside of my community that I built. I was kind of like okay like <laughs> thank God I have this <laughs> this community that we built um because if not I'd be like well shoot I I don't know. Oh I guess I mean the team I worked for um at the church was was great too but you know there was no deep connection outside of the working but i think it's just it's just hard so what's your reason that you were saying that you struggle with the church that's different than mine i struggle with the church because i don't agree with with most of it like for example like the doctrinal ideas the social ideas i don't think they see the world that way i see the world tell me more like what does that mean around justice around uh, priorities of what the church should look like, around um, our emphases of Sunday mornings, our mm-hmm. emphasis of how we use media, our emphasis of how we, um, of influence even. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of churches that they're, they're creating Christian celebrities and Christian rock stars, and I don't know if that's really helpful. I see people, I see a lot of churches trying to make Christian celebrities. You know, it's like a... It's on to self-grandification, even like the worship movements um, that are going on in the world right now. You know, thank God for all of them because we'd be listening. 
but you know it's almost to make celebrities it's almost to make influencers it's to make people have I big platforms back on that a bit? sure because i'm like i don't know that people set out to make celebrities i think that i think that we are like the israelites and that we always find a king mm. that the that the christians and the church the and culture Christ- makes the king christian makes celebrities right it's not that it's not that people set out you know to make christian celebrities it's just that people always make people celebrities i i agree but then i don't i agree that the, we definitely have this idea of celebrity in our in our american culture yeah. but also you could easily tear down your celebrity by being real I don't think being real tears down celebrity. Yeah, it does. It makes you normal. I don't think so. I think that... Well, hold on. Let me maybe define celebrity. Okay, go ahead. Celebrity is like a Photoshopped life. It's like where you're perfection, where you're living in this uh, space that you're untouchable, where where you're not accessible. And that, I see that. That's not what I mean. I mean, mean? celebrity is a glorified person. It's a person that has been glorified. Right. And oftentimes, I mean, I think of Cardi B. Right. I think of Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Similar. Oh, we're taking it there. That's how I think it. But those people actually, I think sticking with a Cardi B analogy, like Cardi B is very real, hilarious, also ratchet you know what i mean like she chooses to display her ratchetness yeah but i think cardi's a a a specific type of celebrity i don't think most people fit in that bag of celebrity i think we're disagreeing on what a celebrity is true because i i don't think that being i think that a lot of what a lot of the way that the media or society sees people has to do with the audience. It doesn't have to do with the celebrity or the person necessarily. It isn't that they've chosen most celebrities, especially high celebrities, a plus whatever they call them celebrities. They wouldn't want to be in that position. They wouldn't choose it again if they could. Yeah. But I think, I think Christian celebrities would choose it again. I think they like the idea of being important. They like the idea of being needed. Well, like, we all like that. I know, but I think that's part of the problem is that we 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 run into these spaces where we where we are the person where that's almost being worshipped. We're the people we're the person that's being flocked to and not Jesus. I think our our job as as Christian ministers is to make one person famous, not ourselves. Now, granted, I, I appreciate the platform, and I appreciate all all the people who follow me on Instagram. And I, I I'll joke and I say I want more followers because I do want more followers, but I don't want people to follow me and miss Christ. But I think we have a culture, and that may be the American culture, but I think we also have a church culture that is is onto us and not onto Him. I can't say I agree, but okay. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's where that's where. Um, so you're saying that this is a thing that you don't. I don't agree with within the church. Yeah. Within the church as a whole. I wouldn't say definitely say that every house is like that. And I would definitely wouldn't say I um, my previous church was like that. I wouldn't say Bethel was like that. I would say that. Um, but I see that. And I, I mean, I could name names, but I don't want to dishonor. But how do you know that it is that? 
just because you feel that is that. I just feel like we don't know the hearts of people, so we can't say what they are. No, I don't know the hearts of people, but when I think it's always a little bit interesting when people start quoting pastors more than they're quoting Jesus and when they're more than they're, they're quoting the Bible. I think that gets a little bit scary. I, I think I, I don't know if I can agree. I'm just like, OK, OK, let's go back to I something that agree. we could probably agree with. I don't agree when um, their political ideology be, uh, gets in front of their, their love for people. Yeah, I can agree with that. I see that constantly. That's definitely that's definitely been a point of of pain for me where I'm like I don't want no parts of that. Yeah, I, and I see that where where we've we've uh we've we's we've moved the American dream for we we put the in, the American dream for a Christian life and thought it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just not. Mhm. It's not. No, I I I I agree. And I, I think I think that's that's that scary. That's scary. That I don't, I don't know if I want to be a part of a community that's like that. That mm-hmm. where politics gets muddied for the gospel, and you know, um, you know, don't, no disrespect to this person, and he may know who I'm talking about, but um, he started ta- his whole Instagram turned to be this political conversation because he said Christians need to know what truth means, and he was talking about how Trump's the real president, and I was just like. That's just sad. Yeah. That's sad. I mean, hey, you know, if you really believe that Trump's still the president, God bless you. But but you you got that platform preaching the gospel, making Jesus famous, not following a presidential candidate. Don't 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 flip the script on us and act like you want to do something different. That's what makes me be like, I back away. Like, remember, we watched that one church here in Texas. Mm hmm. And this lady, she started, she she decided to close worship, which was, it was a great worship set, powerful, anointed. We're like in, in this holy moment. And this woman decides to, to talk about this false government. I just was like, I'm sorry. We're, we were worshiping Jesus, not talking about political ideology. And you're, you know, half the country doesn't believe like that. So now you just isolate half the room because your own Fox News watching. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be with those people. No disrespect to those people. I just, I, to me, I get scared because if you're willing to trade your allegiance to Jesus for your allegiance to a politician, you will trade your allegiance to me as your community and as your brother and sister yeah. to go do something else as well. I hear you. I also think that people don't see it that way. That those the the people that I've witnessed do that. They don't actually. Their oh, I know they don't. Their belief in Jesus is so raveled into politics that they see it all one. They see it as following Jesus is being right winged and Republican. Yeah following jesus is you know whatever like they they see it all as one and so that's sad and i won't know parts of that um but i also feel just bummed that to me it feels like wool over eyes Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't feel like wool over the eyes it feels like full out deception 
which is wool over the eyes, in, in my opinion. Well, I, I just think wool over the eyes sounds so nice and fuzzy. I wish some wool well, would be over my that's eyes. That's the pastor when, in me. When I lay down and go to sleep, I wish somebody would put some wool over my eyes. Somebody lay hands on me and pray. I wish y'all could see the way I'm looking at him. I wish y'all could see the way I'm looking at her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway. Yeah, I agree, though, babe. I, I so, definitely I definitely see um the people who I see uh intertangle their political ideology with their faith in Jesus. They definitely they don't they don't see it. Yeah, they don't see it. They don't see it at all and they think that what their their thought process is holy and it's mm-hmm. and it's right and it's true and it's it's the way it should be and it's uh it's normal. And I think that's the scary thing. That's normal. Yeah. Well, how how do you feel personally in regards to are you spiritually homeless? Yes, currently. What does that mean to you? That means I don't identify with any community. And that's scary. Mm-hmm. Especially because the whole idea of church and the whole idea of... Any community that you found. Yeah, any faith community that I currently, I, I'm not, I, I don't identify with any any spiritual community that I know of, because mm-hmm. I don't. I, I would love to find a spiritual community where I, I feel safe and wonderful, but um, I don't feel safe in the spiritual communities I've been a part of. Um, I don't feel connected. I don't feel like they are they are me in larger numbers mm. or that they are that they connect with me. I feel like if I, if I got up and said something on the mic, I would be ostracized for what I said. Hmm. And that's a, that's a scary feeling of being homeless of being like, I don't belong anywhere. I don't have a place. Yeah. That I remember the moment where that hit me. It was, it was a scary moment. I felt it in my body. I felt it. I, I cried afterwards. I was like, oh, frick. Like, I'm just out here. And I don't want to be just out here. I want to be connected. I want to be under someone. I want to be connect. I want to be, um, I want somebody to be responsible for me if I fall. I want somebody to be there to pick me up. And I have my wife, obviously, and I have mentors in my life, and I have spiritual fathers and mothers, and I have brothers and sisters who, um, are there for me and would, and would pick me up if I fell. But I want to, I want to, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. And unfortunately I can't say I am because there's no place that feels like it's for me, like for me, like the individual, but also for me in the sense that I fit anywhere. And I wonder how many people are out there that are like in, in that same space. What is it about you that's making you not fit? My belief systems versus theirs. That's what we were just talking about. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, um, they don't agree with me and I don't agree with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Why don't you feel like you fit? Um, I think similarly, I feel... It's funny because I've been thinking about this. Like, I actually feel hungry for community and, like, people. Yeah. I I just don't know. 
I think the reason why I don't fit is because I now am okay with the fact that it doesn't have to look like what it's always looked like. Yeah. And I'm not a slave anymore to needing it to look like what it's always looked like. Mm. And that makes me not fit in a way Hmm. because most, you know, churchgoers feel that especially committed ones feel they have to go. Yeah. They feel almost, you know, they never verbally say this, but in their subconscious, as I did, they feel that their salvation is attached to their attendance. And so, you know, uh, I feel, I feel that that's why I don't fit in a lot of ways. And, and at the same time, I do fit, you know, like I fit with people. Right. You know, and, and I'm okay with that. I just have to, you know, we're new. We just, we told y'all we moved to Dallas. And so we're going to go on our own journey of looking for spiritual community that we, you know, that's our next spiritual community. Um, and we're going to do that and we're going to see what God does. But all of that to say, you know, it's a journey and I'm okay with it being a journey. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely feel like I'm okay with it being a journey. I think that's interesting that you, you said that you're not a slave to what it used to look like. Wanting what it used to look like. That's very interesting. Why? I think it's, um, because you're almost, you're choosing to not fit. Because you know that the church is currently trying to revive itself. And you're like, I'm cool with y'all trying to revive yourself. I'm going to be on 2.0. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're like, I'm, I'm waiting for the reboot. <laughs> well, the thing is, it doesn't feel like I'm choosing it. Okay. Because I think, honestly, if I'm to be honest with myself, yeah, I would much rather fit in. Mm. and keep my head down and be like everyone else and just, you know, enjoy church like, you know, and go through the... But the thing was, I couldn't... It was almost like a conviction in me. Yeah. Like, I can't do it. Yeah. And that conviction is what makes me feel, you know, I can't change that. Yeah. And you know me, like, I'm not the type of person to try to pretend like I'm good about something that I'm not good with. Yeah. You know, I'm not really good with, you know, faking you, you, my face. Now this woman right here, she don't fake nothing. <laughs> yeah. I'm not good with nothing in this face. life. She won't fake it. She'll tell you straight to your face. Nah, that ain't it, bro. <laughs> if she know you or if she don't know you, she will tell you. Listen, to your face that is a grace that the lord has given me it's really a gift uh, it is a gift it's a gift to my life because it's hard for me to do that yeah and so yeah i i i'm i don't i think i would much rather go along with the river go along with the flow hmm. but because it'd be easier yeah it would know? be because it's been it's been painful it's incredibly painful it's been hard, you know, like I've had to really um, mourn my life as I knew it before. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it is. It's the sobering end of something. 
Yeah, and I don't even know. How, I don't really have the words. Yeah, for for what it's the end of because the people will continue. I'm sure we will find a church community that we love. One hundred percent. All of those things will continue, but there's just this end of something in me that is just done. Yeah, you know, and um, I think that I'm so grateful for my experiences. I have been a lot of versions of Christian. <laughs> you have you you've been out here girl I'm, i mean I'm like, wow when first of all i was a nominal christian as a child till i was 17 or maybe 18 or 19 years old like i was just nominal like i went to church i had experiences that felt real to me about god but i wasn't committed in any way and then i became the super committed christian with the t-shirts yeah and, and and rebuking people and rebuking people and apologetics and John Piper and shouts out to John theology Piper. and I was like heady you know and then I became um the overzealous like I wanted to be a martyr for Jesus yeah <laughs> I wanted like I thought that I would die in China on the mission field yes yeah, she did or Africa you know like I I have been that Christian. And then I became the Christian that learned to love myself and learn that things aren't as black as white as, and and white as I thought they were, you know, you missed a spot in the middle of that. Which one was when when we were together, how you thought everything had to look a certain way that faith in Jesus had to equal journaling, spending time with God, worshiping, First of all, pause. <laughs> First of all, I didn't think that. I just thought that I had found what helped me to connect with Jesus. And if you weren't interested in that, I just didn't understand you. <laughs> Which is the judgment that I was passing on to my husband. Yes. I was a very, let me tell you, even before you met me, I was very judgmental. Mm. very judgmental because knowledge puffs up yeah and i had a lot of knowledge and i had a lot of ideas and experience of what god was and then like from there when you were meeting me i was already on the downturn from releasing judgment mm, yeah i think one thing i can see that babe uh, and actually you've done you've done a lot of work in that you aren't as judgmental a whole ton of work <laughs> like a lot babe i was extremely judgmental oh my wife almost cussed on the podcast y'all <laughs> he's very happy about that i never say curse words guys never ever <laughs> never ever but i mean that like in in an extreme way like i really have and i have to give that i have to give that um credit to my husband actually because in so many ways he has baptized me in non-judgment he really has because when I met him and like we were starting to like each other and date and doing all the things and he started sharing his struggles with me and different difficulties he was having Guys, I would go home after he would just be honest with me about whatever struggle. I'd just be like, I said I would never. <laughs> Listen, 
I had full like ideologies and commitments that I had made to God and myself that I would never. And I've had to learn how to look like Jesus. Yeah. You know, and I thought that Jesus was judging me. So I was judging myself. Yeah. And now I'm learning like he paid. He paid the highest price, man. So that I could be close. (laughs) So that in any form, in any form. So that all the things that were between us would be put down. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that we, that's we just a preached funny the gospel thing. right there. Yeah, take Y'all that. Y'all received that. <laughs> if you made a decision this morning, <laughs> come up to the front. We have some ministry team to pray for you. But that's yes, real. It's it's um, seeing Jesus has kind of made you not as judgmental as you were. I remember the first time I told my wife, I was like, I don't really journal. She was like, What? And she was like, she was like, journaling is powerful. She's like, if when I journal, I write and Jesus writes back. And why don't you want to be a part? And I was like, I, I'm sorry. I just don't experience journaling like that. I sit and I get distracted. That's what happens when I journal. So I don't I don't know this this encounter with Jesus you talk about when you start writing. <laughs> but you know, I think that's the difference. You have a gift on your life for writing and you get into it and it actually really ministers to you. And it ministers mm-hmm. to me too, but it's definitely more sometimey than yours. But Yeah. Anyway. But um That also let me say, that also goes to show you I didn't know I, I had a hard time understanding when people didn't think like me. Yeah. Which yeah. is a Christian trait. Oh. I found as I've searched around, as I've been in different circles. I'm walking out the room. <laughs> no, but seriously, babe, a lot of Christians, and I say that as us, as we as a family, we have we struggle when people don't see the way we see. Yeah, yeah. And we struggle with with living in the gray. I feel like that's bred by our ideology and our theology that we have to we because we've embraced um, our faith has a not has a journey or has a it is the way. And meaning that there is no other and not saying that Jesus that I'm not trying to talk about like that. uh, Our faith in Jesus is sure. And we believe every word in the Bible. But if we but we we don't just apply it there we apply it everywhere mm. that there is one way of doing this life and it's voting republican it's being pro-life mm. it's um well maybe not republican in 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 white evangelical spaces it is voting republican maybe in black spaces it's more voting democratic um it's it's that we all agree and we all have the same values and that is bs because i'm human and my experiences are very different than yours and there's no issue with that and there and there shouldn't be an issue with that because we we also understand that at the foot of the cross everybody is made the same yeah everybody has an even playing field at the foot of the cross so i i I don't understand why that's become our value system so you living in that that makes total sense yeah makes total sense and i bet a lot of people who are listening to us and who who will listen to us probably fit in that same box of being like what my experience isn't normative 
Right. That's 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 a scary place. My experience isn't normative. And I I think I'm very I just want to say I am very proud of myself even in this moment because two years ago I would have been very defensive in this conversation. Yeah. Because I I didn't have the capacity to admit to myself that a lot of the things that I thought were sure aren't so sure. And that a lot of the, my ideologies around church and faith and all these different, you know, aspects of my being, because I've adopted being a believer as a part of my being. Right. We both have. It's a part of my identity. And many probably people who are listening to us have. Yeah. And so went to to set that on the table and say, I'm in the middle of a change and I don't even know what the change is. Yeah. It's even in this moment, there's a scariness to yeah. that. There's a, it's taking courage yeah. to admit that and to say that. And then at the same time, um, you know, just thinking back to how I maybe would have responded in the past. I just didn't have capacity to admit or even to think about. Like, literally, I remember times, I've remembered times in my faith where I would not allow myself to think differently than what I was. Mm. Like, I wouldn't watch certain, I wouldn't watch, I couldn't watch or listen to a show that presented a different idea than Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Because I was afraid that I would lose my belief. Yeah. And so I'm just learning, like, so much about myself and my faith and, like, Jesus and believing in one thing Jesus has told me over and over again is I will keep you. Mm. And wow. that has is what's kept me, honestly, his ability to keep me amongst, you know, with what happened in this country with race and the way the church responded. It was a blow. It yeah. pissed me off. Yeah. At the same time, I was learning about the history of the church and how the Ooh. church had literally propelled and exaggerated and cultivated racism and abuse against my people. Yeah. When I learn of these things, there's a something in me that says, I want absolutely nothing to do with this, you know? And so I have had to go back to Jesus over and over and over and over again to strip the face of white supremacy off of him. Oh, and to strip even this prideful air of ownership that white yeah. evangelicalism and Christianity has placed on Christianity. Yeah, this takeover mentality that we are supreme and nobody has the right to exist. No other belief system has the right to present, to exist. And if you're doing it another way, you're wrong. Right. And I think that's the scary part, that you're wrong. Not not just in your faith in Jesus, but if you do politics differently, you're wrong. If you walk across the street a certain way, you're wrong. It's, it's, it's everything. Yeah. 
yeah. is black and white it's right or wrong and there is no gray and there is no discovering and there is no chance for people to be people yeah it's just you're wrong and i want as i've learned you know as a coach now like full-time coaching yeah i've learned that people are beautiful yeah and intricate yeah and complex deeply and there is no formula for people yeah humanity is messy it's complex and i don't think that god deals with us in formula no i don't think he says sin let me pull my sin formula for how we're going to handle this Mm. oh this let me pull this formula you know like this is not who he is formula just like politics has this way of dehumanizing it has this way of stripping people of their value yeah it has this way of even stripping the person who is enacting the formula or the politic (laughs) It really yeah, messes yeah. with the character of a person. Yeah. There's no space to be human yeah. in these spaces, in politics and in this uh, post, I guess it's almost like a postmodern church where we we don't have the right to be human. Mm-hmm. We don't have the right to be, to find our way. And And at the same time, there's this beautiful thing happening where, our generation yeah. is learning to lead with vulnerability. Yeah, in a beautiful and way. And there's a hunger for real, raw, authentic people yeah. that are broken. Yeah. But beautiful yeah. and honest and yeah. clear. Yeah. And that's what that's who I want to be. Yeah. I want to be broken and I want to be beautiful and I want to be honest and I want to be connected. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have to lie. Remember, I'm not doing it. Remember the song Chris Rock had, uh, had back in the day? You ain't got to lie to kick it. I feel like that's the church. Was that's that a, a song? Yeah, you ain't got to lie to kick it. Chris Rock? I think it's like, tell your mama, tell your cousin, tell your auntie, you ain't got to lie to kick it. Mm, you dating me because I know you I not, ain't that old. I know I got me a little tender. <laughs> Little tenderoni over here. She probably wasn't even alive when that song came we out in the 90s. Four years something. apart. Please do not be mad extra on this podcast on today. Got me a little young one. She, she wasn't even alive when this came when out. He, y'all, when he gets in that voice, I literally can't. I can't. Literally, her skin crawls. It's the funniest thing. Oh anyway. God. But yeah, it's, it's, um, I totally, I totally hear you, babe. And I think we we want to live vulnerably. We want to live real. We want to live authentic. And that's what this podcast is for. Yeah. It's for us to be ourselves. And I mean, you know, we're still going on the journey of, of revealing ourselves to you guys. And um, we're really excited about season two and um, seeing what, what God's going to do with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's it, babe. What do you think? Yeah. 
that that that's a good episode right that's a good episode right there tell your friends to download that one tell your mama tell your cousin (laughs) tell your auntie (laughs) download love and race podcast yes and do us a favor go ahead write us a five-star review because you know you feel like it's a five-star podcast and if you don't think it's a five-star podcast tell us don't no don't don't tell us no no we we just we just talked about how we want to be honest and real and authentic i want to be honest with myself She like I just want to be honest with myself. <laughs> Not don't be honest about this podcast. Give us five stars. I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> <laughs> she ain't kidding. That's the truth. No, but honestly, rate and review the podcast. Yes. Share it with someone. Yeah, put we it on love your you social. Follow something. us on social media at yes. Love and Race Podcast. We already have like a hundred and some followers. Thank y'all for following us and yeah. sticking with us. Yeah. We love you, and we'll see you in the next podcast. Love and grace. Love.